Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Get Genius episode. Today, we are talking all about referrals, generating referrals, and what to do, what not to do, how to get referrals without bribing, asking, manipulating, or getting that really icky feeling of inauthenticity, like just just not feeling so good. It's so much better to get a referral because you're that awesome and people have had this incredible experience with with you. And today we're talking to Stacy Brown Randall of Growth by Referrals, who is an absolute genius in this. Um, there's a bunch of other things that we talk about with her as well and balancing family, if there is such thing as balancing or, or the best that we can do, and business, um, when to know when you got to focus more time on family or when to focus more time on your business. Um, we'll talk about really creating a, a customer experience that people can't help but share with other people. And we really focus on why referrals are so important and such a phenomenal way to grow your business. Um, Stacy's an incredible genius on this. And of course, like many entrepreneurs, she's learned this in a challenging way. So it wasn't just easy, not something that just, you know, she just knew she had to experience some pitfalls in order to discover what really works and what doesn't work. And she's really been there too. Like she, she's been an entrepreneur who had a business and then had to let go of that business and then go into the corporate world. And then she was doing the nine to five thing and, and juggling family and all that. So if you can imagine as entrepreneurs being so excited and driven about something and then actually having to quit and then go do something that you really don't want to do that does not make you feel lit up at all. So she talks about that and there's a lot of great insight. Um, the, the big thing is, is learning, you know, what works in terms of getting referrals and why referrals are so important. We'll have, um, some goodies for you, of course, uh, towards the end of the episode, but you're going to get a lot from this. And if anything, I hope that you realize how important her strategies are, um, why referrals are so important to your business and how, how much value they can bring in the long, in the long term. So enjoy the interview. Hello, Stacy, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's not often you get to be on a podcast where genius is in the title. I know, right? <laughs> well, I'm already feeling smarter. Well, you have so much to share and I'm I'm so I'm so grateful that you're going to be sharing this because um believe it or not, it's what you do is something that a lot of people actually overlook in terms of growing their business. So, um before we talk about all of that genius, can you Give us um, kind of the brief background of how you got to be doing what you're doing today. You know, this is probably one of my favorite stories to tell because I think it's one that most people can relate to. My journey to figure out how am I going to grow a business and generate clients and do it in a way that I'm willing to do it every day truly came out of sheer necessity. <laughs> and when I think about kind of the journey for where I am today, it it was kind of luck. I really do think that I landed on referrals as kind of that business development generation strategy 
that I wanted to figure out. And I wanted to figure it out because I just hate it, to be honest, just hated the advice that's out there today that says, if you want referrals, just go ask. And hey, Summer, if you're not willing to ask, that's your problem. You don't deserve referrals. And that to me just struck me (laughs) as so wrong. So literally when I think about like what I've done and how I've gotten here today, it all started with a business failure. And when my first business failed and I had to hang up my shingle and go back to the nine to five corporate job, was the longest 15 months of my life before I got to leave again and get my entrepreneurial freedom back, I had to do some soul searching and I had to do some digging into, okay, why did this business fail? And one of the things I learned was that I didn't touch business development every day. And because of that, I had not figured out a way to do something, to figure out what I wanted to do every day if I had to touch business development every day, because there's just certain tactics I'm not going to do. Like, you know, I'm a wife and a mom of three and, you know, I'm not going to spend every night networking and I can only eat so many rubber chicken dinners and I (laughs) didn't want to, you know, be pounding the pavement and I'm not going to cold call. It's so intrusive. And so I, when that business failed and I looked back, okay, but why, how did I fail? And there were some other reasons I failed, but that was a big one was the client generation was the pipeline. I was like, all right, if I ever get my chance to go back out on my own, I better figure this piece out because it will haunt me forever if I can't crack that code. And so when I started this business, I was like, all right, we're going to crack the code. And I started having success. And that's when my client said, hey, Stacy, you're a great business coach, but you've got this referral thing happening and we want to know more about that. So when I started teaching them, I realized, oh, it's not just me that's having this success. Now, I've, you know, hundreds of people have had this success. And I really decided to kind of focus in on it as an actual business just to teach people how to generate referrals without asking. That's awesome. So, of course, people are thinking, well, how do you? How do you do that? <laughs> So can you give us some, I know you can't reveal everything, but you know, some, some things that we can put into action. Yes. So it all starts with a basic philosophy. So I tell folks there's a basic philosophy. There's, I mean, other pieces to the puzzle, but there's a basic philosophy and then there's five basic steps. So I'll do high level and then we can dive into each one of those that you want to for your listeners. So the basic philosophy is this, when you look back over psychology and the human dynamic of how relationships work, the intersection of referrals and relationships is really strong. And so when you think about where referrals come from, they only come from relationships. When if you think about how relationships are maintained, they're only strengthened and maintained and built by ongoing connection. And you have to figure out a way in your business to keep those connections going or what I call touch points, but in a way that keeps you top of mind. We're not interested in keeping in touch. We're interested in being top of mind. And so when you kind of think about that philosophy, referrals come from relationships. Relationships are built and strengthened through connections and ongoing touch points, which will keep you top of mind. It's kind of easy to see, okay, there's some ideas here of what I need to do to kind of be forming those relationships so that I can generate referrals. And that's not everything, but that's the main philosophy. And then the five steps are really, hey, you got to know who's referring you now. And if you don't have anyone, who do you want referring you? So you got to identify your referral sources. I call it IDing the who. Then you've got to have a way to kind of categorize those folks because someone who sends me 10 referrals, let's be honest, is more valuable than someone who sends me one or two. They're all valuable. They're all important. But you've got to be willing to, to recognize someone who's sending you 10 potential new clients in a year versus one or two. They just need a little extra, you know, attention. 
So once you've identified them, then you kind of categorize them. Then you have to actually create an experience for them. And I always tell folks, step three is all about my secret sauce. Step three is about how do we create an experience following a few key pieces, weaving in the right referral seed language so we're never having to ask, but actually forming the habit in our referral sources to refer to us. And so it's all about that experience that we create and those touch points that we do and being memorable and meaningful and staying top of mind. But the key is using that right language. Then step four is, well, that sounds like some work. So let's figure out for step four how we can automate this and not have to, you know, be running around like crazy people trying to get everything done. Exactly. How can we automate this in our business, right? And then the fifth step is most important. You better be tracking and you better be measuring because if it's not working, we probably need to tweak something or we need to make sure that it is actually working because you should never do something if you don't have an ROI. Right. Oh, that is so true. So can you give us an example of what this might look like in someone's business? Yeah. So the way that I typically tell clients to think about it is to go back and look at their clients and where they came from. That's always my first step, whether someone's going through my online program or they're working with me one-on-one. Let's go back through your clients and really pull out who are those referral sources. And there's like a, an activity I have them go through with a template that they can use that kind of helps them through this process. The biggest aha typically happens for most people when they're actually looking at who these referral sources are. Now, the other aha that always happens is they say, well, I don't have hardly any, <laughs> or I definitely don't have enough. And there's another way that we go about kind of building new referral sources. And so typically it comes down to looking at someone's business and then looking at their numbers and and recognizing, okay, where do you stand with your referral sources? And then as they kind of put together this, this experience, and I call it experience, but I always tell my clients, when you hear me say experience, I want you to hear the word process. So it's just a process you're going to put them through. We build it out. We build the plan out usually on a you know a 12 month calendar year. We figure out what they need, what would be memorable and meaningful. Sometimes it's lunches. Sometimes it's handwritten thank you notes. Sometimes it's an event. You know, sometimes it's just ways that we make sure that we're staying top of mind. That's unique and funny. And there's lots of ideas that I give in my program about what exactly does that look like. And then they just execute on it and they're doing it. You know, it's not every month. I tell folks you're aiming between four and eight memorable and meaningful touch points in a year where you're weaving in the right referral language. And that typically, you know, is a good jumpstart for folks to start generating referrals. I mean, following that same process before I really knew it was a process, that's how as a business coach, I was able to generate triple digit referrals, over a hundred referrals, multiple year after year. So for multiple years, my clients having, you know, that kind of that same success. I mean, I had one CPA that I worked with that um, it put the program in place and he was like, all right, I'm gonna try this out. He put it in place in the first two months, he'd had received 20 referrals. Yeah, no, I don't guarantee that for everybody, you know, but I had another attorney that I worked with who was always getting six or seven. And after a year on the program, she was getting up closer to 30 a year and she's only going to take 12 cases. So it was perfect for her to be selective of the work she wanted. So, you know, everybody kind of experiences results differently, but I always tell folks, you don't have to get to 100% referral base, kind of where I am. I'm like 90, 95% referral base. For some people, if I can just get them to 30% of their new clients coming through referral, that's a game changer oh, for absolutely. their business. Yes. So, so you've talked about um, paying for referrals <laughs> and why it's just, <laughs> let's talk about that because there's a ton of people that are doing that. Yeah. So I think it's a good conversation to have. So here's the thing. I think that if you're going to pay for a referral, 
then at the end of the day, it needs to be disclosed. So now I'm not talking about the the joint venture launches or the affiliate marketing that may happen in the online world. Um, that definitely happens. It's you know typical protocol, but it, even those are actually dis- disclosed. I mean, you it would be terrible for you to put up a blog post and have affiliate links in it and not actually disclose that you're an affiliate, right? Right. And most people know that from the online world. But let's go to the offline world for a minute because that's really what my program, who my program is for. It's really for those folks that have to meet their clients and get to know them. Their client has to know, like, and trust them before they'll ever buy their product or service. And so when you think about paying for referrals in that regard, you know, the end of the day, if if I refer someone to you, Summer, let's say I refer to you, Tom. And so uh, Tom comes to you and he's talking to you about his problem and he trusts you automatically because I trust you. Yeah. Right. So the trust I feel for you is transferred to Tom and Tom's having a conversation with you and he's really feeling like, okay, this may be the right person. And then later he finds out that Stacy actually just made some money off of sending Tom to summer. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I've commoditized that relationship and the trust. And Tom is all of a sudden left feeling like, wait, that wasn't Stacy actually trying to help me because I have a problem or a pay- I have a problem or I'm experiencing some pain in my business or in my life, that was Stacy making a buck off of my problem or my pain. And I believe that's one of, asking is the other way, but I believe paying for referrals is one of the quickest ways to kind of stop them from happening. I know people have strategic alliances and those work as long as they're disclosed. It's like with realtors. You know, if I'm a realtor and you're a realtor and I send you a piece of business, I'm probably going to get 25% of that commission. The reality is, is that's got to be disclosed. There's documents that have to be signed. So if it's disclosed, that's different. It's when we do it in secret that we're actually profiting off of somebody else's problem or pain, and we're leveraging that trust, in my opinion, not for good. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I, I was curious about that because I know, you know, some people are incentivized to, or, or they incentivize their audience to refer them. But like you said, it's disclosed. It is quite a different feeling when you later on find out, oh, so were they really excited about that or were they just trying to make a buck off of me? <laughs> right. And I find that the on, in the online world with like the joint venture partners and the affiliates and stuff, I find that, you know, most people don't have a problem buying a product or service through someone's affiliate link, particularly if that person's going to bonus them with some additional freebies, because then it feels like, oh, there's a real incentive to actually use this because they're going to help me take whatever I'm buying to the next level because they use it and they believe in it. You know, it's 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 a little bit the same, I think, on the offline world. But the reality that is, is most of the time when people are getting paid for referrals, they're not disclosing it. And that's when we have a real problem. Yeah. So what type of of entrepreneurs and businesses do you work with? So I always tell folks that I work best and I do my best work and my programs are best suited for those solopreneurs, small business owners, entrepreneurs that are in what I call relationship sales. So you have to form a relationship with your clients before they will decide to do business with you. So it's kind of that H to H. It doesn't matter to me if you're B2B or B2C. I have all types of folks in my program and who've gone through working with me but it's the H to H, it's the human to human. So let me give you some examples. That would be like the CPA, right? Or the attorney or the financial advisor, the person who's gonna build your home, right? The home builder, maybe the interior designer. Um, It could obviously be your insurance agent. It could be a business or a life coach. It's those people where you are going to build a relationship with them before you hire them and then have opportunities after you've been started working with them 
you know, whether you talk to them once a year, like your CPA with your taxes, or you talk to them on an ongoing basis, like a business coach, that you're going to continue to build a relationship with them. And my personal opinion is, and that's what my results have shown, that those folks are uniquely positioned to generate referrals. I think any business can generate referrals, but those types of businesses, if they're not generating referrals, that's a big red flag for me yeah. because at the end of the day, they're just so uniquely qualified for it. I mean, if you've got to talk to your clients and get to know them, and that's not always face-to-face, but it's sometimes most of the time it is. But if you've got to talk to your clients and get to know them before they're going to buy, then you're uniquely positioned to generate referrals. And if you're not, we've got a problem because you're just missing out on a great sustainability of client generation piece in your business. Right. Absolutely. I love how you started this whole thing too, with the importance of relationships. That That is what it is. Um, so when people are working with you, is this, um, are they working with you one-on-one? Can they do this just online on by themselves? How does, what does it look like? Yes. So I have a couple of ways that folks work with me. The easiest way is for that do-it-yourselfer who's like, okay, Stacy, let me just see what this looks like in an online program, right? So it's, you know, six modules. It walks you through with all videos and all the templates and resources you need. And at the end, right? So the benefit at the end of it is you come out with a complete and total 12-month referral generating plan done, and you've been taught how to automate it and how to track it and measure it. So there's definitely the online program um, that, you know, and that's what I find that people all across the country are, you know, kind of use. But I also offer the VIP one-on-one session where you can spend four hours with me. And that's literally how long it takes me to build someone's referral generating plan as long as they do their homework and their free work in advance. But I can build it in about four hours. That means I can teach you what you need to know. I can, we can build out your 12 month touch points of what that's going to look like. And we can create the language. And, but you know, when someone works with me one-on-one through a VIP referral building session, they also have access to me for a full year over email after that. Okay. But, you know, they can do that session live. Like, you know, if they want to come to Charlotte, I've had folks from Florida come up and join me in Charlotte because they just want to sit face to face across the table from me. But, you know, I've also done it with eight realtors out in Fayetteville, Arkansas, who I did it over, you know, we did it over Zoom. So it can be done virtually or it can be done live. And it's that four hour you get my brain on your business is how I like to kind of describe it yeah. on your referral generating plan. So I've got the the online version and of course the live version. And then I do workshops as well. Um, but they're typically, you know, only held like once a year and they're typically held in Charlotte. That's where I'm based. And so, you know, people will come to that if they're a VIP client or an online student, they're going to come to the workshop for free. Um, but some people just buy the workshop. So that's kind of the three ways that people work with me. Awesome. Wow. So that's, that's pretty incredible in such a short amount of time to have this blueprint of (laughs) everything you need to do. That's, that's my style. (laughs) Well, and remember it, but it does also involve you doing homework. Of course, of course. So (laughs) there's a little bit of work. But it's still, I mean, still, when you think about just the time put in uh, overall, I mean, that's amazing for, for a whole year's worth. And that's, and you know what, that's what I find people say, like I had a um, life and business coach out in San Diego, go through the program. And she was just like, afterwards, she kind of called me up and she was like, Hey, um, that was really simple. She was like, actually, it was quite brilliantly simple and it's working. She was like, it's kind of crazy. And I was like, I know the reality is nothing that I teach is rocket science. And it is all some of it common sense. The difference is, is I've just figured out how to put the pieces together and use the right language so that you'll actually act on it and have success and results from it. Yeah. And I bet there's so much discovery happening just in getting that homework together, whatever you have to pull together. I feel like people learn whenever you have to do some type of preparation for something, first of all, it gets you in the right mindset, which is 
fantastic. But you start to see parts of your business that you were like, wow, I hadn't really looked at that before. Or that's a great question. I don't spend enough time on that. Right. Absolutely. I mean, those are typically when our ahas come. It's like mm-hmm. I tell, you know, everybody like you should be like reflecting back at the end of the year on how the year went and then planning ahead. And you should really be willing to exactly what you said, like go looking for the aha moments in your business and figure out. And you can't have that if you don't actually look back. Exactly. And I think that's the beauty of the homework. And I make you track numbers. So you come in kind of, I have a very good baseline of where you stand. Like what does our referral generation look like right now? And where do we want it to go? And so we kind of have a baseline of where we are and where we want to go because, you know, again, ROI is really, really important. I mean, why would you do this work and pay the money if you weren't, you know, planning on having a return on investment? (laughs) Totally. So I'd love to hear being an entrepreneur. I love asking entrepreneurs um, to share some of the mistakes that they've made in the past in terms of starting up a business or just anything that stands out that our listeners can learn from. So with that business failure, I probably have more thoughts to give than we have time for. (laughs) (laughs) All those lessons learned. Um, Unfortunately, when you know, I think about the things that I learned through my business failure, they were the painful lessons to learn. And I think, you know, one of the first things I always tell folks is, is that I don't ever want anyone else to go through a business failure if I can help it, you know, if it's within my ability to help it. Because at the end of the day, yes, it is financially painful and it is emotionally and mentally draining. But let me tell you, Summer, the worst is the kick to your ego. Yeah. Like getting over that is really tough. Like people who are like, oh, I thought you had this successful business. You have these big name clients, this big consultant. And you're like, yeah, not anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm back working for the man. So I would say the three big lessons that I learned through that failure would be one, the one we've already talked about, figure out how you're willing to touch business development every day, make sure it works and then do it. So Figure out what tactic, what activity, what strategy is going to work for you and then be willing to do it because, you know, the most, I believe the most important people in your business is your referral sources, but the second most important people in your business are your clients. And if you don't have any of them, you got no revenue. Right, right. So definitely that business development and just understand that it's going to take work. Nobody just starts a business and it's like, oh, and everybody just pours in and wants to work with me. So that's definitely one of the lessons I learned. One of the other lessons I learned through my business failure was definitely that ability to have the scalability conversation with yourself before it's too late. It is really hard to figure out how you're going to scale when you're just keeping your head above water or treading water. And what I mean by that is, is that you've got to have a long range, long range visit vision, excuse me, for your business of where you want it to go of where it could potentially go. It doesn't mean it's always going to play out the way we plan, but you got to have an idea of what this looks like. Like any coach I ever talked to or consultant, I'm like, you're going to run out of hours. Eventually you will run out of hours to sell. (laughs) And so if you don't want to trade dollars for hours forever, which is exactly where I found myself as a consultant. And one thing I said, I'd never find myself in that position with as a coach, which is why I have my online program and some of my other um, uh, things that I do with my clients. But you have to figure out how you're going to scale your business if growth is what you're looking for. So, you know, and you can scale in lots of different ways. It doesn't mean adding employees. It doesn't mean having a strategic alliance. It could mean going online. There's different ways to scale, but when you know you need to scale and you're barely keeping your head above above water, it's almost too late. Yeah. And that's one thing I definitely learned in my process. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I've, I've had to learn that in the past as well. And it's, 
it's a scary thing sometimes to have to give up some of the things that you're doing on a daily basis and, and delegate it to somebody else. But uh, <laughs> it's so it's so necessary. I mean, you can't, like you said, you will get stuck in that day-to-day grind where you can't even, even if you do have a picture of what it might look like, you can't get there if you're constantly putting out fires and, you know, on the wheel. <laughs> right. And you're stuck and you're stuck in the weeds. Right. Exactly. So that's the worst place to be is when you're just kind of down the weeds. Now, when you're starting out, you're in the weeds. I mean, there's just no way around it. But as you start to grow and, you know, see how your company can expand and, you know, grow up, so to speak, like, yes, you have to be willing to look outside the weeds. You got to look past the trees for the entire forest to figure out kind of what, you know, what it's going to look like. And then the other lesson I would say that I learned, which is more of a mindset one than anything else, is um, you have to protect it. You have to protect your mindset because the entrepreneurial dream is actually a roller coaster. And sometimes it's a nightmare. Yeah. And so yep. you have to be willing to protect the why you got into this business and why you want to have your own job, have your own company, excuse me, and not have a job and what that looks like. Because even well-meaning folks will sometimes say things that if you let them in, they can change the trajectory of the success you may have because you go about believing something that's not actually true that you believe. You just decided to let somebody in to believe something they believe and they're not you and they don't really truly know your why. So surrounding yourself with people who get it is really important, but also recognizing you're going to talk to people who don't understand it and don't know what you're doing. I mean, in some cases, talking to my family about my online business, they're like, you do, wait, you do what? People just buy a program from you online? Like what? (laughs) Like, you know, it's kind of like, and they're well-meaning and they love me and trust me, they want me to be successful. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know, explaining to that extended family, like what is Stacy doing now? You know, and it's just interesting because you have to be willing to protect your mindset because nobody else will. So let's talk about that. There's, there's a few things, and I think they all kind of relate to each other, but there's protecting your mindset. There's also protecting your, you know, your, your business, your personal life, managing, you know, if you do have a family, if you have kids, a husband, I've got, you know, we've got a big family. There's six of us. <laughs> It's a lot to be an yes. entrepreneur and juggle, you know, and be a present parent, a present wife, all of those things. And also be present to your business, to the market of your business, staying, you know, up to date on, on what might be changing and making sure that you're still evolving with it. So, and obviously a lot of that comes to mindset. Can you please speak to that and share with us, you know, some, some tips and advice on, on managing that? Sure. So I always, I have a a few hard and fast rules that I kind of cling to, um, and they are banners for me. And sometimes that's the only thing I'm left hanging on to when things get really tough because it does. Um, so the first one is, is I'm a really big fan of permanent boundaries. So what I mean when I say permanent boundaries is there's just a few non-negotiables in my life. And so we have three kids, two biological. And then a couple of years ago, we took custody of my husband's uh, nephew. So our nephew, we took custody of him a couple of years ago and he and my son are the same age. And so I've got, you know, two fourth graders right now and a second grader, my daughter is a second grader. So you know, I have some permanent boundaries, which is there's a couple of days a week, I'm going to meet the bus. I'm going to be there when my kids get out of school and I'm not going to see clients. And yes, you know, when I had a full on coaching practice, that was going to impact how much money I made because I was going to miss out on an hour or two that I could be coaching somebody right right? now with as more of my online business and doing my VIP sessions. It means that there are, there are times on the calendar where I'm not going to go past. Now, will I make exceptions? Of course, right? That's not a problem. I'm traveling for two conferences in October. 
whatever. Like it just is what it is, right? Yeah. So I'll make those exceptions when my business needs it. And I have a book coming out next year and I know I'll be on the road more with that kind of like, you know, doing the big book tour thing and promoting it. So I know there are seasons in my business where my business takes precedent. And then there are seasons where I I allow my family to take precedent, but on an ongoing kind of not in one of those crazy seasons, you know, the reality of it is, is that I have just some permanent boundaries. I'm going to meet the bus. I'm home every morning with my kids on Friday morning, specifically so my husband can go to Bible study with a group of guys he goes with, but also so that I actually have one morning routine with my children. Um, the rest of the week, I'm going to get started early, but I'm going to end early because I'm meeting the bus. Yeah. And so those are permanent boundaries. I also believe in shrinking the container. And when I say shrinking the container, I just mean when you allow yourself to say, oh, I don't feel like it right now, I'll do it later, like that procrastination, I'll mm-hmm. do it later. We both know this summer, like when does later happen? Later that later that night. Exactly. Right? When you should be in bed, sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or spending time with your spouse or whatever it is. And so, you know, if you shrink the container and you don't allow yourself to say, I can do that later, then it forces you to be like, I can't do it later. I better do it now or I'm going to get behind. Now, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, but the reality of it is it's really paying attention to that. And then the other thing I do around from a mindset perspective and kind of balancing out our, our lives, and there are three businesses between my husband and I, he has two and I have one, but there's some other things that I do is I pay really close attention to my cognitive load. Because when I get off of a four-hour VIP session or I come off of, you know, a presentation or spending a bunch of time with clients or whatever it is, my ability to think and make really good decisions, let's just say it sucks. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I make bad choices with working out. I make bad choices with what I eat. I mean, I'm like, give me a Snickers and a Coca-Cola right now. Yeah. And so and those are my vices. Actually, that just made me crave it. That's probably not good to say that. So the reality is, is that I pay really close attention to my cognitive load. And I know what my decision-making ability will look like later on. And and so I try to make sure that I'm building in buffers and things. And like when I come off of a VIP session, you know, like let's call it a day. Like it's okay. You have just given somebody four hours or like I've done a corporate training, you know, for like, you know, 10 people, financial advisors. I'm like, you've given your all for those four or five hours. Let's step back. Let's take the rest of the day. Like don't think you can go sit down and turn out three or four blog posts or answer a bunch of emails that need some true cognitive thinking. So I literally pay attention to that. And that it definitely kind of disperses when things can get done. But the reality is, is that if you know what's in your bullseye and you know what's most important and you know what brings you money and what moves your business forward, it's really okay to say, eh, that's not my bullseye. And I'm going to pay attention to the fact that I'm exhausted after that four hour training and I'm going to take a break or I may take the rest of the day off and that's okay. Yeah. Exactly. And and I love that you're saying that. I think something that's really important is people, you know, are saying yes to everything because they're scared of an opportunity miss. They're scared of that they're not going to do it later. They're scared, you know, of, of, of oh my gosh, got to cram it all in. Um how how do you decide what you are going to say no to? And do you still struggle with that, by the way? <laughs> yes. So I still struggle with it. Here's kind of been the the one I laugh because I don't really think I've ever told anybody this. Here's kind of been the marker that I always use is when somebody asks me to do something, I say to myself, do I want to take a shower for that? <laughs> and I know that sounds ridiculous, but for me, the way that I've built my business, I have a ton of joy of getting up in the morning, working out. If I can be around in the morning for my kids, great. Or getting started with my day and not thinking about the fact because I'm doing my work, right? Not showing up for somebody else. Right. I'm just doing my work. 
Um, and I can sit on my front porch or sit at my office. It's away from the house and I can churn out things and my yoga pants and then yes. decide at some point later that day, I will take a shower. And so I, I know this sounds crazy, but I truly value that because I know that that type of work I'm doing in that setting is actually making me money. Yeah. So I know that it makes sense. So you know, when people ask me to do things that physically take me away from my business, I always ask myself, do I want to take a shower for this? Is that enough money to truly decide to take a shower for this? And that's one thing, but I do struggle with it. You know, like I had somebody who asked me to come to a conference and be on a panel with them and it was going to take me away from my business for a couple of days. And my immediate gut reaction was don't do it. And then the more we talked and my Southern niceness kind of comes out and I'm like, oh, but I should. And I would be so helpful. And my ideal client is sitting in the room. And I was like, but, but I just don't have that time right then and there. Like I have to truly say, what's it going to be? You're going to say yes and potentially regret it. Or you're going to say no and maybe regret it. Like right. you just, you're going to, there's probably regret on both sides. And you know, it's funny. And I'm just using this this example because it's so recent. I made the decision to say no. Then it turns out all of a sudden my husband needs surgery that exact same week. And I would have had to cancel anyway. So the reality of it is, is that I think when your gut screams and speaks or even whispers, mine typically screams and I just yeah. don't always listen, that it's the right thing in that moment. That doesn't mean I don't make bad decisions sometimes. It doesn't mean I say yes to things that I shouldn't. But there's this great quote that I always pay attention to. Um, the person who said it, his name is Lisa, uh, Lisa Turkhurst, and um, she's like a, a Bible teacher. But her, the favorite quote she ever said that I ever heard her say in one of her books or in one of her presentations or something was, I make my decisions and my decisions make me. So, which means I'm going to make this decision and then I have to go live through it. Right. Do I want to live through it? Because it's always fine when it's far away. And then that week shows up and you're like, why did I say yes to this? Yeah. Why did I do that? I didn't need to do that. And yes, you'll always struggle with that. Uh, am I missing out on an opportunity? But I truly think if you know what's important and you know what drives your business forward, then you have a metric at which to actually compare these act these opportunities as they come in. Is this going to push my business forward? Is this something that I should be doing? And sometimes you have to try things out and learn the hard way. But most of the time, if you know what's in your bullseye and you know what makes you money and what drives your business forward, and you compare everything to that, and that's your metric, you're usually in a pretty good place when you make your decisions. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I completely agree. So there's another thing that happens, and a lot of entrepreneurs can either can relate to this um, or they're guilty of this. And that's the whole, um, hey, Stacy, it's summer. Um, sending you a quick email. Can we do a quick, um, you know, 30 minute chat? I just want to pick your brain about some referrals. <laughs> the pick your brain. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, okay. So it's so interesting. Like I feel like where I am in this answer has evolved. So the truth is, is that when you're starting out, that is typically what you ask of a lot of people and right. you're just really banking on their generosity. Yeah. And to be honest, I was no different. And so, but as my business has grown and as it's developed or whatever, you know, the kind of the idea from that perspective that I look at is, um, you know, is this going to be truly valuable? And in reality, how do they, how do they get a hold of me? Right. So if they say, Hey, can I pick your brain? And they're just some random stranger, more than likely that's going to be a no. But if they were referred to me by, Hey, you should talk to Stacy, I may be more willing to say, okay, I'll have a conversation with you, even though it's not really a referral because they're not going to become a client. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it really depends on how did you get in touch with me? Like, how did you get a hold of me? And there's someone that I know and trust someone that I like, someone that I look up to 
that connected us, I'm probably have a better chance of me saying yes. If you reach out to me cold, I'm more likely to say no. Or like, you know, I'm, there's a networking group that I'm a part of. I'm actually the president of it right now. And so I get a lot of the, hey, can we talk about this? I'm like, yeah, the next monthly meeting is on this date. I am there and willing to talk to you as long as you want about whatever you want to talk about but you got to meet me where I'm already going to be. <laughs> right. So I, there's just a couple of tactics I would say that I deploy in that. And, you know, sometimes I say yes to the meeting and then I regret it afterwards. Um, and I have a big problem with people who say, hey, can I pick your brain? And they haven't thought through what's in it for me. Exactly. Like what is like, okay, yes, you can pick my brain. First of all, it really peeves me when people say, can I pick your brain about referrals when I have programs that you can purchase <laughs> and blog posts that you can read for free and resources you can download for free and a quiz you can take to figure out where you are. Like there's so much I put out there and give, give, give. I have a free Facebook group, Referrals Without Asking. Join that. I answer questions every week. Like I give so much that when someone wants to pick my brain about referrals, I find it to be like, well, have you gone to my website and have you checked out the Facebook group and have you read the blog posts? Like I answer most questions there. That's kind of the point of it. Um, so when I, when you're asking to talk to me about something I actually charge for, when I'm more willing to say yes to you is when you say, and I'm happy to pay you for your time. And then I probably won't even charge you. But if you can acknowledge there's got to be something in it for me, and I don't mean money, it could be, hey, I want to talk to you about referrals, but I also think I have X, Y, Z, and it better be real. It better not be a fake carrot, right? Right, right. Then then I'm more willing to be open to that. Um, but, you know, those pick your brains. I mean, they can exhaust you and take a ton of time and not produce anything. So I think as you get more comfortable in your business, you're more willing to say no. I know I say it all the time. I got one today for LinkedIn. Hey, can we chat about something? I'm like, nope. Yep. I looked at what it was and I was like, I don't do that. Right. So I just think you have to kind of put your, um, you know, kind of put your stake in the ground and just say, if it's this, I may say yes. If it's this, I'm definitely saying no. And then stick to that. Yeah. I completely agree. And, um, I, I see a lot of people, people do struggle with it, you know, because they want to, they want to be nice. But like you said, it's a, it's, it's actually a very empowering thing too, to realize, okay, I, that's actually not where my time right now is going to be best spent, especially when it just advice for people that are asking or want to connect with somebody. I love what you said, create some type of value for them or even offer, you know, at the very least offer to, to pay for their time just so that they can feel that there's some type of, Hey, I get that I'm taking you away from what you do. Right. Absolutely. So you, um, I think you had something for, for our listeners so I, that they get a hold of that. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we talked about two of what I would refer to as the big no-nos when it comes to generating referrals. And that was, you know, we don't ask for them and we don't pay for them. But there are actually seven. I call them the seven deadly sins of generating referrals. And so I am going to put that on a link for your listeners. They can go and grab it for free and they can learn, okay, what are the other five uh, deadly sins or big no-nos when it comes to generating referrals. And on that same link, I'm also going to um, add some information about joining the free Facebook group. And then I have this great free quiz that lets folks understand through nine simple questions, kind of gives them an idea of where they stand and their ability to generate referrals. And I call everyone who joins the referrals group or goes through work with me, I call it, you know, they're my referral ninjas, right? They are learning how to be smart about their ability to generate referrals. But the quiz will tell you, are you a referral ninja beginner? or in training, or are you at the master level? And so it's just a great quiz and those are all free and I'll put them on a link and it'll be growth by BY, growthbyreferrals.com forward slash get genius. 
Fantastic. And we'll make sure we have a link to that as well. And then to find more information on you, we can send them to your site, stacybrownrandall.com. Is that correct? Yeah. Actually, the okay. one that's actually probably going to be best suited, um, that one is not as up to date as okay. the growthbyreferrals.com. Okay. Yep. So they okay, go to growthbyreferrals.com and then on Facebook, it's referrals without asking. And okay. then of course I'm on Facebook as well with my entrepreneur page. Fantastic. Stacey, this has been so awesome. So, so many good pieces of advice. And uh, I'm so excited that our listeners get those seven deadly sins of referrals. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Thanks, Summer. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.